And I think that's part of building a jazz community is like going, hey, well, you know, there was this guy, you know, this artist and that from here that went to New York and changed the game. They're like, who, uh, who, who's that? You know, it's got Phineas Newborn. You, you ever heard Phineas Newborn? The Newborn family? Like, no, oh, tell me about him. So that's part of like what I, like even like on my little radio show, it's part of like my little, one of my little missions is to do that. Welcome to the Shellcats, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists and musicians and hearing about how they are writing their own stories, and building their own communities. 85 years strong and with a rich history, the Levitt Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. Episode 15, and for today's episode, I spoke with Joe Restivo, the uber talented guitarist and member of the Bow Keys and City Champs. We spoke about his time at the New School, his musical projects, the magic of Memphis music, and more. Now, here's our conversation with Joe. Really, you know, I have to start off our conversation by asking, you know, it's a play off of your your solo album title. Where's Joe? <laughs> <laughs> right here. I'm in Beanhampton, baby. Beanhampton. <laughs> Bean I'm in Memphis, sort of near the Auburn Park, close to the park. Awesome. If, you, if any Memphians will know, Sam Cooper. It's Sam Cooper. He's on East Parkway. Very cool. And so where, where did you grow up in Memphis? Were you in, in that area growing up? I grew up like in East Memphis. I grew up kind of near Overton High School Park, Quince area. We moved there, I was thinking I was like two, and then that was where we, we stayed until I flew the coop, you know, <laughs> at 18. So, you know, went to, kind of was like a Catholic school kid, and then eventually ended up at White Station. That's where I graduated. Oh, awesome. Public, public high school here in town. I've, I've traveled a little bit around. I've lived outside the city a little bit. For the most part, I've been here for several decades oh, yeah and I know you, you went to college in New York correct I did I did I was um I went to a school called the new school which is <laughs> a fancy I call it fancy my friend Charlie Whittle used the term fancy pants fancy <laughs> pants school which was funny because when I went there when I decided to go there I was actually living in Austin Texas and it was a I was just sort of like completely rudderless in my life and I was like I want to study music or more I felt like my education had been sort of not mm -hmm. at what I'd hoped to be and I was like that school sounds great this is like 1999 <laughs> so accessing information about things was a little different I mean obviously we had the internet but it was not like it is now and right I just I think I had a pamphlet and I was like this looks awesome and there's all these legends that that uh, heroes of mine that teach here sounds good I had no money and I applied, I had, I literally made a cassette tape. 
Wow. Which is funny to say now. I mean, it makes me sound old. I made a cassette tape, and I am old. What are those? <laughs> right. Um, and I made a cassette tape, and it was kind of on a lark. I was really kind of just sort of desperate to get to do something with my life. And and they let me, they accepted me. And I was like, oh, my God, now I have to figure out how to do it. So it was like I got into the whole, like, I'll just borrow some money and go to New York. You know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, I mean, to be honest with you. But it was great. I mean, it was an amazing experience to be around the caliber of educators because at that time, and, you know, it's still like that, but but that program, which in the program I'm talking about specifically is a jazz and contemporary music program at the oh, New School cool. University, uh, which was that started in the in the like the mid eighties and started very small and now it's grown quite a bit. I mean, much bigger than even when I was there, but it was like, I mean, I got to study with people that I do a, a radio show now on WYXR and I study with people that I talk about on that show oh, that wow. are, that, that, that are architects of, of that music, you know, in the mid century. So, you know, I was the other day, uh, my show, I did a, a cannibal Adderley tribute and I played a cut with an early band of his that featured Junior Mance on piano. Well, I studied with Junior. I've, I've met with Junior every Friday. We played wow. me and him in a room together. That was essentially our lesson. <laughs> but Junior played with Duke, I mean, uh, um, Dizzy Gillespie. He was in Dinah Washington's band. Uh, he was in Cannonball Adderley's band. He was a Capitol Records recording artist. I mean, he was he is a formative architect of, of modern post-war jazz. So... There was a lot of people like that that I got to be around, and um, and then the student body was amazing. Robert Glasper was there. He was kind of like the star wow. pupil. Uh, who's I don't know if people are familiar with you know contemporary jazz and hip hop. He's yeah really a huge figure, and he was even then everyone you kind of knew he was on to great things. Like I had a class with him, but he was really sweet. But it was like wow, this guy's an amazing talent. So Peter. Being around people like that was a huge inspiration. Um, and then it was stress. It's very stressful too. I mean, people who've, my dad's actually from Brooklyn. And so I grew up oh, kind of awesome. going up. Yeah. Going up there for see family or whatever. And I already somewhat familiar with New York, but it's a very, you know, it's a very fast paced life and it's very difficult, especially if you're on a student budget. I didn't have any money. True. Um, very true. So and then 9-11 happened. And then that was a, a thing. So it was, there was good, you know, a lot of good things. And there were some, some other things that, that happened there that were like, whoa, okay. But overall, I, I have a lot of fond memories um, of my, especially specifically of that, of the university. Yeah. So, I mean, at least having family connection, you know, not being so much of a, a culture shock. But I'm Yeah, curious. a little bit. A lot of the family had moved, like, he came from like working class Brooklyn, Italian neighborhoods, and they had like left for the most part. Mm. But I had like... I had some regional family, I had some family in Jersey, I had some family in upstate that I could like, you know, if I wanted to like, I need to get out of here, I could take a train and go down to to, to Jersey and hang out with my aunt, which was very cool. That's I got to kind of connect with her. She's since passed, but like really spent a lot of time with her. It was awesome. I have fond memories of that. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, after graduating, was it, you know, just an automatic thought like, yes, I'm going back to Memphis or what, what brought you back to the city? Well, I, I knew New York. I knew, I'm not really a big market person, like just personality wise. I knew like, I don't think I want to live here. Like, I don't think I want to live in LA. I don't like, it's just not, I kind of like it quiet and I do like the speed. 
of Memphis, but not originally. I mean, I was like, I just wanted to work, really. Yeah. I mean, that's really been my main goal. That's a very small goal, is to work. And I've been successful <laughs> at that. I, I, I'm a professional musician. I make a living playing music. And that's really kind of what I wanted to do. Awesome. But I wanted to, I felt like I hadn't really accessed everything I wanted to access in Memphis. And I'd spent enough time here as a kid and like going down to Beale street and like, I mean, I was playing gigs at a very young age, but like I knew there was more for me to glean from the music community and, and, and the tradition and the culture. So I definitely wanted to, that I was, I was like missing parts of my game, so to speak, mm. that I knew Memphis had, which is cool to be from here. Cause I know, I have friends all over the world that are just like, oh, man, you're from Memphis. Oh, my God. Like, you get to play with, you know, people who work, you know, who made records at Stacks or High Records. Like, like I'm not – that doesn't um, – that doesn't – that's not missed upon me that I yeah. have a, a really amazing opportunity and, and, and that I've been able to, to, to be around that, especially being someone who's really into that kind of music. It's like if I had left – if I was a classical music person and I had lived, I was from Vienna and left. I was like, well, I might as well just go back to the hub of classical music and Vienna. Right. You know what I mean? Like Memphis is sort of, in a, in a lot of ways, ground zero for um, contemporary music, specifically Black American music, which is what I'm interested in and have been since I was a kid. Like soul music, blues, jazz, a lot of people don't realize our strong jazz heritage. So for, for me, it's like, well, okay, makes sense. And plus... Obviously, it's affordable, and there's there's opportunities to make, you know, to work here as a musician. Yeah. You know, if you you know develop relationships and work hard and get in the scene and do it all. And it took a while, but you know, when I moved, I didn't move back to like officially because I was like, I just wanted to make a living, so I was like working on cruise ships and like orchestras, which wow. was fun and awesome and very like instructive in order to like work a job. You know, as a musician, like it was, you know, reading charts and doing shows. Of course, it got it got old after a while, as you would imagine. Mm. But like, just to get some playing, you know, working every day, and it's it's hard to do that. I mean, I've worked with kids, with you know, students in high school and college age, and it's like you just need to work. You need to apply your wares as much as possible. That can be hard. Yeah. So that was a, a way to do it. I was literally working every day so um wow but that you know last like a few years and i was like well, all right i'll come back to memphis and slowly build up that ability to work a lot i just wanted to play all the time and as much as possible and make a living doing for sure it. well i mean i i mean i see your name everywhere and i i it's almost like i i can notice like oh that sounds like joe um on a song oh, or in a show thank you. wow thank you and That's... and i mean it's it's pretty impressive i mean you you have your jazz quartet, you know, you play with mm -hmm. the Bow Keys, you have yep. the City Champs, yep. and then I'm sh I know you collaborate with a number of artists in the city. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you feel as though with, with each of those, you know, outlets, you're able to kind of tap into the various musical interests you have? Yeah, I think for the most part, I do and can. Sometimes do I wish I had, a, there was a little bit more of a progressive modern jazz scene here. Yes, I do. I, that is the one thing, if I had to say I'm kind of that little part, I do a lot of different things, but that little part of my 
interest. I kind of wish there was more places to play and more musicians to interact with. But like, as far as like playing soul music and R&B, which I love dearly and like, it doesn't get any better. I mean, I work with some of the <laughs> most incredible R&B and soul musicians in the world, period. Like I'll put any of the people I work with here up against anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I love it. Any, I mean, and I'm, that's not hyperbole. That's not me being a homer. That's just straight the truth. Because I've had the opportunity to travel, just you know, playing, touring a little bit, and living some other places. And like I, we st- stack up, and that's why like musicians uh, here who do move to LA and other places, they start working pretty quickly and they're like working with big people because that juice here and that sound it's i mean i don't have to convince probably the people listening to this podcast (laughs) that it's a commodity and so but yeah sometimes like i just you know as far as like the straight because i am a a straight ahead jazz geek and sometimes i wish there was more of that you know i have to sort of for me i have to sort of make the gig you know build it and you know, I do a brunch gig or whatever. You know, I have to make the outlet. I have to go out, find it, build it. You know, which is cool too. I think that's kind of maybe that's part of my little reason for being here. And there's a few of us that feel the same way. We're trying to build and tell the story of some of the amazing artists that, specifically in that genre, that came from here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of building a jazz community is like going, Hey, well, you know, there was this guy, you know, this artist and that from here that went to New York and changed the game. You're like, who, uh, who, who's that? You know, it's got Phineas Newborn. You, you ever heard Phineas Newborn and the Newborn family? Like, no, oh, tell me about him. So that's part of like what I like, even like on my little radio show, it's part of like my little, one of my little missions is to do that. And also with my, the, the, like the music I play and the record I did, you know, the one record, I want to do another one, but like, The one record I put out, that was part of it too. It's like trying to sort of make my little statement. Want to learn more about how you can support the Levitt Shell and its mission of building community through music, education, and diversity? Head to levittshell.org. You can read up on our 85-year history, check out our schedule of live and virtual events, visit our shell shop to grab all the swag, and find out ways you can participate in our mission, whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a show, or becoming a member of our Shell Circle. Once again, levitshell.org. And I mean, speaking of you know your solo record, during this last year and a half, have you had time to to create and and work? you know, on your solo project? Yeah. So I, I've been very, very busy. I mean, I'm very blessed and lucky. I've been just working. Cause you know, I'm working when COVID hit, like I lost all my work and then wow. like a lot of people. And then I was pretty like very heavily involved with Don Bright and the Bokies. And we had tours planned. We were, we were releasing a record. We released um, right. Don's second record that was not for Grammy. It was amazing. But we had all these tours planned, tours planned, and those all got canceled. So a lot of, and then all my like regular gigs in town got canceled. So there was kind of a period where I was scrambling, and luckily, just through some relationships with the music community that play, you know, heavily on Beale Street and the RB community, I got a gig at BB's, BB King's. We all say BB's on Memphis, like BB <laughs> King's on Memphis on Beale, 
And then I was already kind of playing upstairs at Itabina. So I started kind of just working by like, I would say June. So when COVID hit, like in the spring, like by like June, I started like working quite a bit. So wow. I'm like gigging like five nights a week down there, even still now. So I was like, oh, I just want to, again, like going back to what I originally said, I just want to work. Yeah. But I was also in the middle of putting together, I'm in a project called the uh, Love Light Orchestra with my friend Mark Franklin and my other friend John Namath. And so we were in the middle of recording and develop, finishing, which has been a whole thing, a record, which is going to come out. We have a label now <laughs> nice. next year. So like I was really involved with that. And then the City Champs, were in the, I was in the middle of the City Champs, uh, third record too. Mm-hmm. So all that was kind of spot, you know, sort of happening at the same time. And so, but lately I was just, in fact, I was just talking to my girlfriend, we were on a walk today, like, I feel like I've got some breathing room where I've been thinking about my second record, what I want to do and I have a very, I have a concept for it. Um, so it's just like, that's kind of when I want to do something, I'll just think like a general idea for what I want it to sound like or the, and then I've got, I've always got like ideas everywhere, just sketches, like constantly putting down sketches and so yeah i'm hoping next year to like of course this gets into like financing but like hopefully start recording something next year because that's like my my next thing i really want to do is another solo record so for sure long-winded answer but yeah (laughs) no it's good it's good and speaking of city champs you know you said as you said you all released you know luna 68 Mm -hmm. this year you know how inspired by the pandemic was that record? It was, so we had started, luckily we had started actually, we had developed a relationship with Bruce Watson at Fat Possum and Big Legal Mess before, those are his two labels, before the pandemic. So that whole situation was essentially our drummer, George Slepik, who has been recording quite a bit at, over at Bruce's studio, Delta Sonic, for his Bible and Tire imprint, mm. his gospel imprint. George has been doing a lot of sessions over there. And him and there's some other people like, Bruce, you got to hear this band. And Bruce would, had never heard us before. He's like, I, I wasn't around when we put our first record, two, two records out, which has been some time ago. So um, he was like, why don't you guys just come and hang out and we'll cut some stuff and we'll see where it goes. So that's really where we had been we were at and then we were just kept cutting and then we hadn't even finished it when COVID happened. Wow. So we were like, it got weird. And we, we, in in terms of like, well, I'm not, we weren't, he wasn't, the studio had to close, of course. So it actually was good in a way because we, we were like, we needed more material. So we were able to finish kind of developing the material. And then once things started to kind of slowly open back up in the summer, you know, on a limited basis, we, we went in there and, and finished tracking it and mixed it. So that's kind of, it was like all happening at this, at the same time, so to speak. But yeah. So like it was influenced in the terms of like, it just sort of like shut everything down and gave us an opportunity. I know that sounds terrible, but it got kind of gave us like an opportunity to go like finish. Cause like, our organ player is in this band, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, which is a pretty big mm. national act. And he's on yeah. the road all the time. Well, all of a sudden he had, he was here all the time. So 
His name's Al Gamble. He's an incredible, incredible musician in Memphis. He's played on a million records. And he's got a little fishing cabin in Muscle Shoals where he's from. Oh, awesome. So he was like, let's go to the, let's go to the cabin. We'll like bring our instruments. And we like wrote a bunch of songs and worked up in a, a, a cover of a Tony, Tony, Tony song and <laughs> oh, fished and hung out and came back and finished the record. So mm, Something about Muscle Shoals. Can't oh my it. God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Joe, I mean, it's been a pleasure speaking yeah, yeah. with you. Please tell our listeners how they can find and connect with you. So you can just find you can find me on Instagram. Um, I think it's just at Joe Restivo Music or at Joe. Restivo. I'm terrible with socials, by the way. But that's <laughs> that's a good way. Facebook's a good way. I have a Joe Restivo Music account as well. I do have a website that needs to be updated. It's terrible. Um, JoeRestivoMusic.com. But you can find me on there. And and then I'm playing like if you're in town. I play Sundays at Lafayette's for a brunch, and I've got a really great quartet that I've been working now with for eight years. I played a group called Diversity down at BB's, which is an incredible band of incredible musicians. Our keyboard player's uh, name is uh, Keelan Ellis, who's an incredible producer, fantastic producer in his own right. Um, Jackie Clark is the best bass player, also a producer, is the, is the bass player. Uh, we have an amazing singer named Angela Northern. We also have have another singer named Katrina Anderson. These are just two phenomenal powerhouse singers. I work with some of the best singers in the world. And our drummer, uh, Tank Hodges, who's the nephew of um, Leroy Hodges, the bass player at, high, at um, who was a high rhythm section. So he wow. has that family connection to the Hodges family. And uh, we play three three nights a week down at BBC. You can catch me down at BBC or in Abina uh, down down uh, on Beale Street almost every any night. I'm usually floating around down there making music. So, I mean, I'm easy to find. <laughs> I yeah. see. I see. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Joe. Absolutely. And looking forward to continuing to hear some great music from you. Oh, and uh, last thing, Detective Bureau, which I didn't get into, is a, is a six-piece group that I do, um, is playing The Shell October 16th. And that band is looking to record. We're hopefully going to put on our first release next year. But that's a very cool band of uh, we we've done a lot of film music we've done a lot of like early seventies kind of soul soul jazz and it's going to be a fun night a lot of Brazilian Latin influences in that band so it's going to be Ooh, a cool night very cool super excited October sixteenth you said October sixteenth be there it's free you ain't got to pay you got to come and hang out listen to Detective Bureau good stuff awesome well definitely will well thank you again thank you Mackenzie no problem no problem. That's episode 15 of the Shellcast. Thanks again to Joe Restivo. To hear more of his music and stay connected, visit joerestivomusic.com. Make sure you subscribe to hear all of our episodes. To keep our tradition of passing around the tip bucket, which started in 1936, please feel free to drop a small gift at levittshell.org slash virtual bucket to support the Levitt Shell. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in for our next episode of the Shellcast.